This is a Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Sean Hamilton and Jim Spence. See what I did there, Sean? See oh, what you first did? Nice yeah. <laughs> Feeling very special. Seeing as it's a cup winning podcast, I thought I'd put you first this week, Sean. You That's know? me putting my place. Yes, indeed. We have, we have St. Johnson Betfred, St. Johnston Betfred cup winners. And of course, we all predicted it, didn't we, Jim? Some some of us with uh, with a bit more certainty than than others. But Jim, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't I was well. I was going to say it wasn't the prettiest of finals, but I mean, it was an it was a final that St Johnston pretty much controlled. And I mean, I was in the ground reporting on it. I can't say I felt particularly relaxed, given you just you know that any any second a goal changes the game. But in hindsight, St Johnston were in total control that second half, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the stats actually, the stats were pretty even, Stevens, over the over the game. But I mean, in the second half, Saints had the best of it. I mean, I, I think the general point, firstly, to touch on from my perspective, um, Eric, is it, it's just it's a wonderful day for for the club, you know, for the supporters of the club, for the city of Perth and, and the environs, because you know it's not just from Perth that people follow Saints. They come from kind of Dunnington Ross and Blair Gowrie and all all it's a Perthshire kind of, club. All yeah. Perth. They really, they are very much the county team, um, <clears throat> and you know I, I think you know in that respect historically to take to to win two cups, the Scottish Cup and the League Cup in a decade. Having gone all their years from, you know, uh, under, I think you said they call 136 years or something like that, without winning a major trophy, it's, it's just a fabulous, fabulous um, occasion for them. And I've got to say also, I, I'm delighted for, I, I was delighted for Jeff Brown. I know that he's not the, you know, he's not been the chairman for a good while now, but over a lot of years, uh, you know, as a BBC reporter, I dealt with Jeff and I would drop in and see him and have <clears throat> a cup of coffee at his place out there in the, in the cars, and you you know you chew the fat for ten minutes about golf and horses, and then you'd go into his big passion football, and and there was nothing he didn't know about what was going on in Scottish football. But he's the man that saved the club, and I know this kind of history stuff. I don't need to tell you two guys, you know your history, and everybody does. But I think sometimes it's important to lay down markers for these things. You know, when when Jeff took over at the club, there were plenty of thousand people. Uh, you know, Muirton Park was falling apart at the seams. And then the whole deal was done to move. You know, old old Mister McDermott gave them the land. They built a stadium, and they're just they're a model club. And I think it's just been a fabulous, fabulous week for them, particularly in these unusual circumstances. You know, where there was no fans and all the rest of it. But it was a game I think that they excelled in. Uh, the goal itself, I thought, was magnificent. You know, Sean Rooney, what a player he's developing into. Like lots of others, I was surprised. I, I was astonished when I saw the lineup and I didn't see. Um, uh, Melamed appearing I thought you know not much else surprised me but I thought wow you know no Melamed I thought he'd have been in the team but it was a great a great performance particularly the second half and, and, and they were worthy winners I thought yeah Sean the, the team listen it wasn't I'm going to say it surprised it, it did surprise just because Melamed had been so good at Motherwell but you always had and when we spoke about it we always had in the back of our mind that he did like he likes Conway for that that big game as and there was always the possibility he could go as he did against Hibs and and that's that's what he did. I mean, my own opinion is I think St Johnson would have won the would have won that final had they gone with the team that played against Motherwell as well. You know, either either way, I think they would have probably won it. But they managed the game with the team that he picked, and you know, Craig Conway delivers the ball on the head of Sean Rooney. So Craig Conway did his bit, no doubt, no doubt about it. Uh, it was a. Ta- I thought it was a tactical triumph. I mean, you can you pick up these things in the stadium that you do. One of the few things you pick up in the stadium that you know is particularly relevant in in this time we're living through is the is the role of the managers on the touchline. And I, I think I think uh, Davidson outmanaged Martindale. You know, I don't. I didn't get the impression that the messages coming from Martindale were particularly. You know, constructive. He, he was there was a lot of chirping away about you know these these players that were losing headers and all the rest of it and second balls. And you're thinking that's obviously just what they've really played for, isn't it? And and the big call, the big call he made backfired. You know, sticking sticking his holding midfielder out wide. And you know these these are the decisions that you you live or die on. And Martin Dale. He didn't get it right for the big game, did he, Sean? No, no. Um, I mean, I, w- I wasn't there, so I wasn't. I wasn't fortunate enough to be uh, in the position to hear the his sort of input into the game as it was going on. But 
A very um, frustrated figure. That's right. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the 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 Bartley thing, Marvin Bartley thing, um, is has been focused on um, in the aftermath of the game. Um, I mean, to me, looking at it now, it does seem odd, doesn't it, that you would you would take a guy like Marvin Bartley, who's what thirty fourth. 34, I think. About that, yeah. And um, plays in the middle of the park. That's that's where he's played his career. And then in order to, to do a single job, basically, you're, you're, you're shifting him wide left. That is a hell of a shift to ask a 34-year-old. And a job that he doesn't have the legs to do, really. Well, that, that's, yeah. the, that's exactly the point. At 34 years old, he's been tasked with... Um, kind of marking a, a young, direct, pacey, powerful, up-and-down-the-park fullback out of the game. That is a thankless task, if ever I've heard one. Um, and, and obviously part of, part of that might have been noise him up, get physical with him, see if you can irritate him. And there was, there was a bit of that. You could see um, it. Yeah, there was a wee bit on. of niggle between the two of them, yeah. But, but... To, to my mind, I mean, watching it on TV... The the reaction to it from from Rooney was he seemed to be enjoying it. No, he did. Yeah. So the, the, there was no. I don't think there was any danger of him getting noised up by it. He, he gave as good as he got, and then they both seemed to be laughing about it afterwards. So that that, that didn't work. Um, that was definitely a mistake. With regards to uh, Conway, I you're right. It's his corner, right on Rooney's head, and again Rooney just absolutely terrific. Out muscle and Guthrie. Oh, strength he had to hold Guthrie yeah. off. Yeah. Unreal. Um, so, yeah, Conway, in that respect, has, has absolutely played his part. And actually, I, I think I wrote in the, the player ratings piece that I did um, for the paper on Monday that one of the things I did note about Conway, particularly as the game went on, is that he, he, he wasn't... And actually, you can understand it, given they were kind of protecting a lead at that point, but he, he, he wasn't... A, he wasn't just whipping crosses in for the sake of it all the time. He was quite happy to like come back, hold off a defender, move with the ball himself, and then just recycle it back to midfield and hold possession. And I think that was useful as yeah. the game went went on for Saints. That 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 ability to to retain possession. You're right. It was useful in this game, whereas mm. in in other games it's been a bit of a frustration because yeah. you, you want him to stretch the game more. But no, you're right. The the for the for the for the game plan and the circumstances, it worked very well. It just he was he played like another Chris Kane almost, didn't he? Just to kind of you know bring other players into. It. He did, he did, and 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 Chris Kane. I suspect we might come on to him as well because he had he had a big role to play in that game oh, too. And I, I think we saw the best <laughs> and the worst of him in the same game. <laughs> yeah, to be it. honest with you, because as as we all know and as we've discussed before, his. Um, his ability to to provide an out ball, to hold it up, to keep possession, to win free kicks, to relieve pressure—it was all there. We saw it. It's it George O'Boyle esque, isn't it? it yeah, just, he, he just doesn't have the George O'Boyle esque, but other part of his that's, other that's, part of that's, his game. That's right. So I mean, yeah, it, it, he was very very effective in that sense, and, and absolutely crucial for what Saints were trying to do as the game went on. But I mean, there was a, a, a couple of occasions. I mean, I'm maybe being a wee bit harsh with the with the chance that kind of fell to him from... Um, oh, yeah, the one that he would... Uh, he'd need I'm trying to think if it was Ali McCann's cross or Wotherspoon's. I can't remember. Are you, are you talking about the one that Wotherspoon had the shot and it bounces yeah, straight that's back right. He had the yeah. spot and, and I don't McCrory know if he can react that bounces quickly. to him, yeah, yeah right in yeah. front of goal. So maybe that maybe I'm being a bit harsh with that I'm one. I'm more critical of his, his pass to Ali McCann when they had the three the on one. two. <laughs> that's the one I'm coming on to. So, yeah, I mean, they're on the break there and, and McCann makes a fantastic run in support and, and he's basically cleaned through. And the window to make the pass is right there. And for some reason, it absolutely shanks it off the outside of his right foot about <laughs> 50 yards too long. It's just, it was a bizarre effort. So it was head in the hands moment there. So that, that wasn't great. But beyond, other than that, he was terrific. And um, I mean, it's 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 impossible. There wasn't a failure in that no. side. The ones, all the, fantastic. One, the ones that stood out to me, and again, it was a wee bit, maybe it's when you're in the ground, you, you hear it as much as see it, were, were the three centre-halves, Jim. And... Because that was going to be Livy's thing, and it certainly was their thing in the last, you know, when they tried mm-hmm. to mount some sort of, you know, pin Saints back, you know, bring, they brought on their big subby, you know, they were trying to get the balls into the box. But honestly, Jamie McCart, Jason Kerr, and Liam Gordon won absolutely everything. Absolutely. And I think that there was one where it was about, I think it was Jamie McCart, the ball came back to him about three times in a row, and every time 
he came charging for it and met it and it was like I say my 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 one fear see after we had the podcast and I was writing my my sort of thoughts for Saturday's paper and how the game would go team selection that sort of thing my one fear on the morning of the game was that oh could it just be could the youth in the team that that's the one thing that could possibly hold them back that you know they not freeze but you know what I mean the game sort of passes them by in the sort of worldly way you know the gnarly type of players that Livingston had that Scott Robinson would maybe be a wee bit too clever for them Bartley as Sean said if he was in his right position you know and Guthrie these these guys would Effie Ambrose would do their thing and then Saints would maybe walk off the pitch thinking that game's gone in a blur we've kind of not really We've not given our best, but no, the young ones all were absolutely superb. And those those three centre halves, Jim, were just they had the they had the game of their lives in a in a very sort of basic way. You know, Jason Kerr's had better games, flashier. You know, when he's been able, he's been the overlapping, underlapping centre half. Jamie McCart is a classy, classy ball player out from the back, but they were they just did what what was needed, and it was it was. You know, all three of them were potential men in the match for me, Jim. Well, sometimes I think, <clears throat> Eric, defending has to just be basic. I mean, at it, at its heart, defending is just that, defend. You know, it, it, keep your goal safe, clear the danger, clear the ball. And I think... You know, the, Sander the didn't have a save players, to make, did he, know, in the second half? Didn't well, have a save well, 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 he had one, I recall, did he not have a save from Mullen um, at one stage in the game? He, he turned for a corner, I think. But I mean, In, in the first half, after talking, about 20 minutes, that was it. Box and all yeah. the rest of it, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and that was it. So, you know, defensively, I think they, they were. I mean, I, I think you know, one or two people remarked on my column and said that I sounded overly confident. I didn't because you know when I've seen Saints this season, they've they've been the forum team in recent weeks. You know, other than narrow defeats to Celtic and Rangers, they've been the forum team. They've been playing well. They very often. I know this is an easy thing to say in football, but very often they weren't getting the rewards that the quality of their play. Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought demanded. You know, they played some lovely stuff, some lovely give and goes, nice possession football, and all the rest of it. Um, defensively, there was a period in the season where they, they, they gifted cheap goals, I thought, but they were tightened up. And and the defence, I think, on, on Sunday just looked imperious. To be honest with you, if you compare and contrast, um, you know, what, what the, the attempted kind of breaching of the St Johnson defence by comparison to the way that Saints breached their defence of the only goal, <coughs> it's Really, pretty instructive um, because the, the the you know the, the cross from Conway was was actually a thing of beauty. I mean, not only did he did he measure it to perfection into kind of just two yards off the the the, the six yard line, it was a wonderfully curled ball which allowed Rooney to meet it. And when you actually look at it, it's, yeah, it's, it dips the 20, just at the right time. Ah, it, it just yeah. dips at the right time, and he almost all he has to do almost is is be there and put his head on it. He, you know. Um, in terms of kind of the geometry of things, he simply has to stick the forehead on the ball and direct it, which is what he did. Didn't need any great power. The velocity of the ball meeting the head. But he was. There were three Livingston players all round about him. I think the closest was the uh, the twenty seven. Was it uh, Guthrie? Is it Guthrie? I can never remember. Um, but there were Guthrie, three players. They had each other shirts. Yeah. yeah. Three were three were sandwiching him, and he got that header away. So Saints profited, and and that's what it takes in a game. You know that that's all it takes. Just that one um, successful breach. Now he did that, and and I just never thought at any stage that Livingston looked as though they were going to breach uh, St Johnson, and and I think that's testimony to the concentration levels and, and and just the sheer will to win and the sheer aggression, and I mean that in, in the proper footballing sense, the sheer aggression of the Saints defenders. If there was a ball there to be met, they met it, they cleared it, they, they got rid of the danger. And that, at its heart, essentially in a cup final, where frankly nobody remembers who played played pretty football, they remember the, the, the winners, that at its heart is what football is about and I thought, you know, Saints come out of that brilliantly and it's testimony I think also to just what a terrific organiser Callum Davidson have proven himself to be in this first year in management. It really has been a sparkling success story. Indeed, I mean, John, the Sean Rooney story, we've touched on it and obviously in, in previous weeks and it just, it, it gets more and more incredible. I mean, I, I do keep coming back to to that uh, debut I saw at Kilmarnock, and it's, it's impossible not to. I mean, the, the guy just didn't, you know. I'm, I'm. It was, it was an awful, awful debut. You know, he just looked as if. I mean, he wasn't playing in the position he's playing. He wasn't playing his own his favourite position. He was playing as the right sided centre half in a three, 
and he just looked so uncomfortable. And you just and combined with the fact that Callum Davidson had brought in a youngster on loan from Millwall before a ball was kicked to play instead of Rooney in his favourite position, it just all added to the fact that this is a guy that's probably not going to, you know, that Callum doesn't fancy, that isn't, you know, isn't going to cut it at this top level. You know, he's going to be a good championship player. You, you looked at the clubs he'd been at as well, you know, all the rest of it, and there was nothing. Combine that with what you saw in that debut and the circumstances with Danny McNamara being brought in, you thought this he, he, he's probably not a top level player. You know, it's a guy that will probably end up going back to back to the championship in in January or the summer. And what has happened since he got? I mean, there were signs of it when he was getting chances. You know, when McNamara was away on international duty, it, it, it slowly progressed, and then he was brought into the team. The big moment for me was when he when uh, Callum Davidson started him at Dunfermline in the quarterfinal when McNamara was was available, fit, and all the rest of it. But because by, by that point Rooney was starting to to you know he was starting to change minds. But since you know since uh, McNamara left, it's only you know it's only the start of January. What's happened since then is utterly utterly astonishing because. Not only has he played well in his own position and been a great and ridiculously effective overlapping fullback, it's and this is where the credit goes to, to Callum as well, is it's changed the St. Johnson game plan around him. You know, he's popping up in places where you'd want him to pop up, like a number nine at the back post, you know, where you just wouldn't have done with Danny McNamara because of the difference in the style of play, the you know, the the, the physical attributes. So they've reacted around it, and St Johnston's, and as Jim mentioned, the set piece threat—that's totally changed. It's—it's it's not only has he transformed his own performance; he's transformed uh, St Johnston's performance with it. And you know, as much—I mean, I love Danny McNamara as a player, and I hope I think he could end up going to the top down south. But I don't think St Johnston would have won this Betfred Cup had it had he not left. I think I think you can I think you can say that now because of what's happened after it, and because of the way the team's been transformed. It's, it's 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 astonishing, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, and, and uh, I mean, the Betfred Cup impact in particular is quite stark. I mean, you, you go back to the Dunfermline game that you mentioned before, which was the first one that I can recall watching. Um, and actually, Callum Davidson's team selection in general that night was it a bit was. of an eyebrow raiser. It was. Um, he was mixing but, a match at the time. I think I don't know. Callum will not say it. Yeah, but. He was, you know, it was a hectic spell, and maybe he thought this team would get would be enough to get past on Fellman. You know, mm-hmm. but anyway, sorry, carry on. Aye, so, so that game, that was the first one I recall watching uh, that he was involved in and thinking, wow, this guy, this boy's got a bit of something because yeah, well, he took was, his goal was, very nicely. And it wasn't a header; it was a lovely no, sweet no, shot. No, it was a great it? finish. But I mean, what what he what he showed was just that that power and directness that I was kind of referencing before. And um, that, in in contrast to Danny McNamara, who, as as you say, was was a really really tidy footballer, yeah, little passing triangles, all yeah, that, yeah, very very good on the ball, nice technique, reasonable crosser, um, yeah, a talented boy, but by comparison, Sean Rooney is a very very different fullback to to Danny McNamara. Sean Rooney's all about that directness and pace and power and just getting past people and challenging them. You know, um, making making his opposite number track back, run backwards. He's he's just he's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, and the to mi- deal the, with the mismatch uh, against Greg Taylor at the back post was quite something. Wasn't it? I mean, Greg Taylor, you know, when he scores his goal against Celtic, Greg Taylor can't can do anything about it, could he? Well, I, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, that Dunfermline game was the was the one where I certainly went, oh, hey, maybe maybe this guy's going to going to be good here. Um, and after when he's come into the team, I mean, properly. I mean, he played. He played against St Mirren. Um, St Mirren won uh, at McDermott just before Christmas. But since he's come into the team properly, and 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 this year, I mean, St Johnston have only lost two games, and those narrowly against Rangers and Celtic. And you look at his goal return through the period. I mean, it's, it's for a fullback. It's it's just such good value. I mean, well, it's four four goals this year, um, and then the one against them yeah. family. Now that's five from from a fullback. Um, and and he's he's just he, every game you can you can actually you can see the confidence in him, 
with the way that he attacks games. Now, um, I just think he's 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 a, a remarkable kind of explosion. Oh, that's what it was. That's a good being, word for it, Sean. Yeah, it has been being, being out of the side to being this almost talismanic fullback at this oh, point. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, the shot. No, again, I go, going back to that at Rugby Park and St Johnson won the game, but. You know, it was in it was a second or third game. No, a third game. I think they played. Yeah, they played United uh, Kilm- uh, Rangers and then Kilmarnock. And the um, Michael Halloran scored that that good. So Saints won it. Michael Halloran scored that that goal. But still, my abiding image of that afternoon was poor Sean Rooney sat in the stand, head in his hands after being hooked after whatever it was an hour mark after he'd he'd basically gifted uh, Kelly their goal. And it, it was, you know, it was a, it was a com- culmination of, of just not looking at ease. He was sat there, head in hands, thinking, what have I done? And even at the full-time whistle, you know, he was a man alone with his thoughts type thing. And you're thinking, you know... It he, could be that, yeah. And it was just, it, it's just, it's, it's astonishing. I, I can't think of, I can't think of anything comparable, Jim. You know, I, I, gen- I genuinely can. And it's it's just, an, it's a, a really wonderful, wonderful story. But I love how, I do love how, Callum Davison reacted to what he had in front of him, you know, and 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 wasn't afraid to change the way his team played to to suddenly exploit this this guy who became an asset for him, you know, a, a real real weapon for him. And you know, there's a lot there's lots of managers we know that wouldn't have Jim, you know. I, th- I think the thing that we're quite clearly seeing, um, uh, uh, you know, with, with Callum as a manager is what we saw as a player as well. Um, he's um, He's diligent. He's you know attention to detail. <clears throat> he's open minded and he's strong minded. I mean you know in terms of the way he picks a team. Sometimes you look at the team, and you think, "Ooh, surprised at that." Thought Conway would have started. Thought Conway wouldn't have started. Thought Melamed would have started. Thought he wouldn't have started. You know, he's very very. Um, he, he will make the hard decisions. But the other thing is, I think there's a combination of things here. One, Rooney. I mean, Rooney's only 24, but it's been about you know Queens Park and Fermley. He was, he was down. He was at was it York City? He was at down south. York City with and, McNamara. Uh, he was South of the border, as I recall, yeah. <clears throat> Did it Dumfries with Queens, and I actually quite—I saw him a few times with Inverness, and I actually quite quite liked him. He looked raw, but I did as I, I did as well. You know, but you, so he comes from a great—you know—that it's football. a jump in levels, isn't it? I, it's a jump in levels. He comes from a great football background, of course. Bell's Hill has produced so many, but I think it's that's down to the fact that the maternity hospital covers a, about forty square miles. People get the name of being born in Bell's Hill, sometimes they weren't. But you know, I mean, I slightly <laughs> digress. But the thing is, a couple of things. One, he, he, he's taken he's taken his chance now. You know, he's grabbed his chance. Um, and I think you know, you, you're you're physically you're watching a, phys- a physical specimen. He's six foot four. You're watching a man, quite a young man, twenty four. You're watching a man starting to grow. You know, as as a player in terms of self belief, in terms of his ability on, on the field, and you're starting to watch him blossom. And sometimes that happens. I mean, he's you know he's got plenty of time ahead of him. Still, you know, at that stage where you'd be expecting him to start making a a, a decent fist of it. I mean, 24 is not young. It's it's young in some respects, but it's not young in other respects. But he's at a perfect age, and he's got a manager who has belief in them. And I think that's very important. I mean, I'm a great believer that players should motivate themselves, but I don't see anything wrong with a manager who also brings an, et- an extra motivational side out of you and also understands the particular gifts that you've got. And I think what we're seeing now with Rooney, that, you know, that powerful, strong running, that, that ability to to get in uh, in front of people, to you know, to head goals uh, uh, and all the rest of it, you're seeing a, a, a lot of really admirable qualities there. And uh, I'll be honest with you, Eric, the, what I've started to think about over the weekend was... <clears throat> Might there be bids coming in for this guy shortly? Yeah, you know, he, no, I, he, I mean, absolutely. there are not many players who of that of that size, of that physical, um, you know, strength of, of that kind of ability, and at that good age at twenty four, that will not be attracting the attention. When you score a goal in a, in a league cup final, we always think, you know, in England. Yeah, here's one that's just come into my mind. I'm thinking, I'm, trying, I'm racking my brains trying to think of, you know, that sort of style of of fullback that we've had up here, and you know. I suppose Keith Watson, when he broke through, was you know he, yes. he was a he was he was that sort of physique. But the the one I've now I'm now thinking of, and just when Jim's talking about a potential move to England and all the rest of it, when he came through at Hearts, Callum Patterson, wasn't it? You know he was Callum he was Patterson, that that's right. Mm-hmm. He was that sort of figure, wasn't he? Up 
banging up and down that touch, long throws as well, you know, That's a real right. physical presence and all the rest of Physically it. Physically strong, rangy, kind of a lot about them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I mean, listen, I'm not, I mean, I don't want Cosgrove on the phone to be saying I'm trying to flog his best players, you know, I, but I mean, no, I mean, <clears throat> like it or lump it, this is the game we're in, you know, and, and when you score a goal in a, in a, a major cup final, it attracts, you know, it attracts the attention of, of, of people. And, he, and and this happens to players sometimes, not not always, not often, but it happens to players sometimes who seem to be kind of just jogging along in their careers and suddenly they blossom, they absolutely blossom, you know, and, and it's a position that... Um, I think is an intriguing one, kind of playing on that right hand side of that that Saints midfield, gallivanting up and uh, up and down there. You know the ability to uh, you know go by people, play crosses, to to get in the box with his, his physique and his heading ability, and all the rest of it. You know, I mean, I think he, I, th- I think he looks like a player that, to me. If he maintains this kind of form, will absolutely be on the radar of others. Sean, I mean, let's let's be realistic. Now you know the the Sean Rooney for Scotland campaign has begun uh, by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about St Johnston players <laughs> in Scotland. We all know the background, and but let, let's try and put this aside, right? Let's let's pretend that you know St Johnston players do get picked for Scotland because we you know St Johnston fans know they don't. You know historically it just doesn't happen. You know when you look at Sean Rooney. Jason Kerr are the two, Xander Clark for the the third goalkeeping position. Do any of them have a realistic chance in the near future of of getting a Scotland call-up? They ought to. I don't see why not. I mean, in Rooney's case, I mean, he's he's very much the sort of buzz, the buzz, the buzziest figure at the moment. I feel like um, he's he's getting the most headlines. He's getting the most attention. That's that's got the most sort of active campaign. If you like, at the moment that he's he's worth a Scotland shout. If you look at that side, it, well, actually, it's Steve Clark with the system that he plays with Scotland. Yeah, he plays and three Callum, back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Callum at St Johnston, he's doing that already. He's play, he's playing that role. Um, so. He could he could slot into the system. I think no problem. Uh, if you look at his attributes, he's got everything you would want. Um, if you look at his competition, in that Stephen position, O'Donnell, you know Stephen I mean? O'Donnell's he's, the direct he's, one. He's uh, had a so much better season than Stephen O'Donnell. You can't argue ab- with that. That's absolutely true as well. Um, so I mean, and and Steve Clark hasn't tended to go for the option of putting one of either Robertson or Tierney on the right. Yeah, that's another good point. Yeah. So, uh, uh, is there a space for Sean Rooney in that Scotland squad? Aye. There, there should be. Three full backs. I don't, I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see why there shouldn't be. Um, if, you, if you're playing the way he is at the moment, if he plays like that between now and the end of the season, 100% I think he, he should absolutely be in with a shout of being in there. It's the compare. It's the compare and contrast that that I think should that should work in these St Johnson players' favour. But well, because you know, you think right. I do. I think Sean Rooney is ready for Scotland. No, I don't actually. I think I think he's he's probably too raw. And could I picture him playing for Scotland in the Euros? No. Same. With, could I picture Jason Kerr playing for Scotland in the Euros? I don't think so. But it's when it's when others get the chance that. I think I I I think Sean Rooney's a better player and has had a better season than Stephen O'Donnell. So if Stephen O'Donnell appears in the next Scotland squad, I will say, well, hold on a minute, someone's not what's, right. What's yeah. going on here? Yeah. I think Jason Kerr is a better player than Ryan Porteous. If Ryan Porteous is near, it goes in the Scotland squad, and Jason Kerr isn't. I would be thinking something wrong here. Listen, Jason Kerr has had a better, and I know he's been injured. Jason Kerr's had a better season domestically than Declan Gallagher, than potentially. Certainly Paul Hanlon, who got a call up, you know, you go through them. You know, I've not watched a lot of Aberdeen, but has he had a better season than Andy Concert? You know, you could go through a lot of these footballers and say that, and St. Johnson players have just done it in a cup final. You know, that these are the arguments for Well, it's, it's almost, it's now, it's like, if not now, when? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I really wish it was friendlies coming up. Rather than because Aye, of well, that's maybe and, it's, the... and it's World Cup qualifiers because the 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 argument for Steve Clark and it's a powerful one is I stick with what I know because these games, you know, these games matter 
And I know what these guys have done in in the games that have got us to to European Championships. But and also, so, we, you don't get a, you don't get a great deal of time to 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 work with new players no, you if you're bringing them you in don't. and get them embedded into your system and doing the things you want them to do. You don't have the luxury at that time. So that's that's that will be one of the arguments that Steve Clark has to weigh up when he's when he's looking at building his squad yeah. for the Euros for sure. But but I mean, so, sorry, me, Sean. No, I mean, just I've just made a point. That, um, Clark, I think, is also quite a loyal guy. So he's probably going to be loyal to the guys that he's got there at the moment. But that doesn't mean that players who are suddenly emerging. I mean, for goodness' sake, they're talking about David Turnbull on the basis, and I like Turnbull, but on the basis of you know about four or five good games for Celtic, maybe being in the squad. So I mean, if that was the case, then Rooney, Rooney, arguably in a full back position. But the thing is, case, you, you know, know, he'll be in the squad. You can, you, you know, fine well, Jim. He will. He'll get called up. Hundred percent. That, that, but that, that's what happens, Eric, and that's you know, and over over the piece, that's why fans of clubs like St. Johnson have got the right to feel aggrieved. You know that the, the players now. Look, I, I'm kind of the same as you. I suspect it's maybe earlier on. I mean, you, you might well take a chance. And if there were a couple of friendlies that you could throw them into and see how he handled being in the squad and stepping up to that level, then <clears throat> that would be ideal. But there's not. You know, well, listen. The other thing is, Steve Clark might be might not be there. He might be away at the Celtic job. Who knows? You know, I mean, that's the nature of football. It kind of it's fluid. But my suspicion is he probably won't um, at this stage make that. That, that cut. Uh, would he be worth taking a chance on? Well, if others are, I'm pretty sure he would. And if you compare him to one or two uh, players in the squad, you know, um, then uh, undoubtedly, I think he is of equal ability. But my suspicion is he won't He won't make it. Moving on from the from the, the cup final, Sean, I mean, Saints had their draw at Hamilton there the other night. And Guy Melamed, I mean, obviously... He was, he was, for me, he was the unluckiest of the, the ones who were left on the bench. You know, Scott Tanza could probably have a, maybe have an equal case because he played, a, a, he's been the left back for the majority of the, the season. So, you know, you could probably say that as well. Bryson in and out, less so. Uh, and obviously Murray Davison, but, you know, for, for reasons that, you know, are heartbreaking reasons. But, you know, Melamed could have, could have done no more, put it that way. It was purely a s- systemic choice, you know, formation choice for, for Callum Davison that meant that it wasn't it wasn't Melamed. It was it was the, the three up front so Colm we got the nod. But he then scores a goal against Hamilton that was an exquisite finish. We're all talking about Dennis Dennis Bergkamp. I'd love to say I saw it all, but you know, I had my head half of for half of that move I was I was I was writing up my intro of a one <laughs> we'll We've all been there, yes, and of course we we're no crowd noise. But I did I did see the actual goal, so I can I can I can definitely claim that much. It's Liam Gordon's pass I didn't see, so <laughs> sorry Liam. Uh, but I mean the first touch and and the it was the first touch wasn't it? And of course when you see a finish like that you just know this is a guy with a high high ceiling isn't it? Because there's not many strikers in the Scottish game would bring a ball down out the sky like that, isn't there, Sean? No, there isn't. I, 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 I'm tempted to be, but I'm kind of at Chris Kane again. But I'm saying, can you imagine if it was him? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris, that's really he would, he, was, uh, uh, he would have held it up and brought somebody else in. You know, yeah. Apologies, but no, that I mean that as far as first touches go, that that is that's outrageous. And actually, there's there's a there's a camera angle from behind the goal which I'm delighted about because you you actually see him watch it all the way over his yeah. shoulder onto his foot. And then it's, it's the first touch is absolutely perfect. Just kills it dead on the with laces. his first touch, yeah. and then immediately he's back on it with the same foot just to poke it past the goalie. That that's incredible technique. Um, Bearcamp Bear usually takes his att- his Leicester goal. He had a touch in between the the, the drop and the finish, didn't he? Yeah. But he, had a, he, <laughs> yeah. he did have a defender a bit to beat as well, mind you. So uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll let him off, but. I, I mean, it was so. it was an absolutely gorgeous goal. Wasn't it was it? it was terrific, and you're you're right about the, the you wonder well if he, if he's had he's had a few games now he's building up his match sharpness. If that's where he is at this point, you just think, wow, where what what else could we see from this guy? Yes, um, Jim. And, they want to Mister your pal Stevie Brown wants to get him get a contract under his nose, and as Sean says. If he can do this, you know, imagine what it'll be like with a pre-season and, you know, touch wood, maybe getting family over from Israel as well, just to, you know, help his, his home life. He's a, he's a guy that you would, a guy, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a bloke you would want to see more of, isn't it? And you could, you really feel could, has got, has got even more growth left in him. 
Well, I, I'm kind of hoping that Stevie's no left us too late. I mean, you, you know, you've you've used the word exquisite, and, and, and Sean mentions there as well. You know, the uh, the quickness of the follow up to the initial touch. I mean, I I'm struggling to think how many players in Scottish football, even at Celtic Rangers level, could have taken that goal with that level of expertise. I mean, the, the kill, you know, beautiful pass, magnificent 50-yard oh, pass, I'm, by I'm the way, not, proving I'm that... I'm not saying Lee Griffith scoring that goal. Let's, I mean, you could go through them. No, no, I mean... I, I'm not saying Morello score that goal. It was magnificent. I mean, you know, instant touch, instant control, and, and the rapidity of, of the, I mean, the, the, you know, fluid kind of rapidity of the follow-up shot. I mean, it was all in one fluid movement. It was an absolutely stunning goal. Had that, you know... I hesitate to say this because I never like to get drawn at this English football, Scottish football thing. But had that goal been scored scored by Liverpool or Man United in the Premiership in the Premier League, we would have been absolutely raving. Well, we are raving about it, but you know, people would have been raving about it. It was a stunningly efficient, classy goal. He took it magnificently, and I don't think it's the kind of goal that you score by accident. I don't think that you know an average player doesn't score goals like that. He just doesn't have the technique, even with luck to bring that down and follow up as quickly as he did. doesn't it think was, about it, it Jim. He didn't think about it. didn't think about it. And you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a big... I, I, I like the body language. He scored the goal and he turned and he, and he just zipped away up the park and there was no kind... There was no look of surprise on his face as if to say, bloody hell, did I just score that? You know, he knew... <laughs> as if, how did I do that knows, type thing? Yeah. <laughs> how did I do that? You know, um, he you know he, he knew and knows that he has the ability to, to score like that. It was a stunning goal, an absolutely stunning goal. You know, so, I mean, I think Saints have got... And remember, you know, we've talked about this before, but we, we wondered around about the Christmas time, what, you know, what they, where is he? How is he going to keep him fit? Will he be a player... And what a player he's turning into. His link-up play, his positional sense, you know, the way he hits a ball. Um, yeah, if I was Stevie, I'd get that contract under his uh, under his nose immediately, you know. <laughs> yes, no, it, it is an, it's definitely an intriguing one. And he scored five five goals, one of them a penalty kick, but every one of them, every one of them a different type, which makes you think, oh, hold on here, you know, header at Tannadice, poachers finish at Kilmarnock, the left foot curler at, at Motherwell, and and the penalty as well now this so no he's five and seven five and seven no it's very very impressive stuff I don't think Saints, Saints haven't lost when he started as well so there we have it and it's in building up to be I think it gives it keeps Saints hanging in there for the for the top six Jim I mean I was my my gut reaction and I think Callum Davison's gut reaction with his quotes was we needed to win that but then when you look at it and you think about how it has to play out for Saints it it's still doable. I mean, we'll talk about United next as well. So, because you're you're basically you expect St. Martin to lose at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. You know, Rangers are going for the title for crying out loud. If, if Rangers drop points, it'd be a be a would be, be mystified, and you would expect them to put a couple of goals on them as well. The goals, the goal difference between Saints and and, and St. Martin is reasonably tight. So, just results in themselves would probably turn it round. So obviously everything comes with Saints have to beat Hibs and Ross County at home. But if Saints beat Hibs, they then go to within two points of St. Murn and St. Murn for St. Murn, providing St. Johnston beat Ross County, for St. Murn a draw at Hamilton wouldn't be enough. They would need to win. So it's maybe not quite as unrealistic as either myself or Callum were thinking post-match, is it? I mean, they have to beat Hibs. I mean that's that's what they know what they have to do, but it, it's still well, open. I mean, and United, United have to do do something against Celtic. Well, the the, the, the thing is, it's um, I, I suspect it's looking a longer shot than it did. Um, it's out of their own hands. That that that's the key thing. I mean, you know, St. Mirren have the advantage. They've got the four Which is never a good thing. Yeah. yeah, never a good thing. They've got the four point advantage over United. They've got the five point advantage over Saints with two games left of the of, for all of them. Uh, you know, before we hit the thirty three game split uh, play. So really, it's 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 St. St. Mirren have it in their own hands. Is it impossible that St. Mirren may go to Ibrox and uh, and get a point? I'm not necessarily sure that it would be. Um, I, I, I doubt they will. But Jim Goodwin has transformed them quite remarkably. I mean, I, I don't think many of us saw St. Mirren being in sixth position with, with you know with three games to the, uh, to go to the split. So Goodwin, who I think will be an absolutely top boss, um, has done really really well. Um, all Saints can do now is go knowing that they have to beat both Hibs and Ross County, and both at home, both at McDermott, which is a good thing. United have got United are finishing, of course, with Celtic on Sunday, and I think it's Aberdeen, isn't it? You know, before um, before the, you know they, they wrap it up. So 
you know, t- to me, St. Martin can St. Martin can only throw it away. But given their fixtures, um, it's entirely possible that they might because Rangers. You would you would assume that Rangers, you know, Ibrox, their form has been phenomenal. You would you presume they're going to win and and, and move that bit closer to tying the title up. And Hamilton, of course, are fighting for their very lives. Hamilton, of course, they want, they want to win at Celtic Park, don't they? That's Celtic right. Yeah, game. Hamilton have got, win it. They've got St Mirren twice, don't they? They've got them in the Scottish Cup right after that as well. The St Mirren, but so it's in St Mirren's hands. That's all you can say. So the, the good thing is Saints know exactly what they've got to do. They've got to go and win their two games. Um, and then see how see how the cards fall elsewhere, Eric. That's all they can do. You know, I mean, it'll be hugely disappointing, I think, for both of our clubs, United and St Johnston, if they end up outside the top six. I would almost argue it'll be more disappointing for St Johnston. United, with, a, with, with what I still regard as a championship team, that's no discredit to them. I think they're probably fired above themselves. They've probably punched above their weight this season in a league where, you know, the, the speed of thought, the speed of movement, everything is fractionally quicker. And this is as the weeks wear on it, it you know, it kind of tires you it tires you physically and mentally. So I think United have done pretty well. Um quality of football is another thing entirely. That's arguable. But Saints, I think, albeit, you know, uh, w- w- what's going on, Callum in his first season and all the rest of it, I thought Saints would finish top six. I, I mean, I, I certainly never saw Livingston or St Mirren finishing above St. Johnson. Now, maybe that's testimony to the fact we don't pay enough attention to what's going on these days outside of our own patch. But I certainly thought that St. Johnson had the personnel, um, albeit with some younger players coming in and all the rest of it, to, to finish in the top six. Because, you know, you've seen it with the number of top six finishes they've had in the last decade, but they've not. It's, so it's, 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 it's out of their hands. It's out of United's hands as well. It's all in St. Martin's own hands. And, and my suspicion as it's St. Martin will probably just do enough to, 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 to bag this top six spot, which will be disappointing. Then, of course, the worry is, um, although I think that they're probably far enough clear of it, um, might United St. Johnson hit a bad patch and end up getting sucked down into that kind of, that you know, that basement battle? I don't think they will, but um, it'll be disappointing. Well, I think, I mean, that, I think that was... That, I think that was the most important thing about the draw, actually, Sean, was the fact that it keeps nine points away from Hamilton, you know, and you know, before the game, I thought St. Johnson needed needed one more win. Um, they probably just need another draw, maybe in a couple of draws. You know, there's there's only a couple of points away from it. United are maybe you know one or two points away from it as well. So I, nah, I think they're they're both they both got the daylight they need. United, Sean, the days of uh, ruling out, the days of sort of sort of looking to the next fixture when you're coming up to play Celtic are, are long since gone. Ross County beat them. St. Johnson could have, St. Johnson could have beaten them. It's just this, you know, that Celtics on the on the shirt. It's on. It's the same kit. It's the same badge. But United can United can go in this game and look to beat them. Surely, yeah, Celtic are cannon fodder. Yeah, <laughs> there's your headline for the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, oh, look, I don't. I, you're you're right. Celtic have, have have been a lot more vulnerable this season than they than they have been in, in a very very long time. That's uh, what nearly ten years, isn't it? So, albeit I suppose they did have a little uh, wobbly period under Ronnie Dyla, albeit they, they still won titles, but <laughs> but they did look a uh, they did look susceptible, they, yeah, yeah. But at, at the moment, they're, they're they're certainly more vulnerable than they have been in a while. Um, so uh, yeah, why not? United can be bullish about it. I don't see why they shouldn't be. Um, will they actually do? It? I, 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 again, I, I, if I were if I were a betting man, I, I wouldn't be. I would I would be putting. Well, I wouldn't actually bother putting money on Celtic because the odds will be that short anyway. <laughs> but you get my point. I get your uh, point. Yeah. Right, but no. In terms, of, I mean, you were, we were mentioning it in relation to St Johnson, then the, the potential of being sucked into the a basement battle and United in the same breath I do tend to think that of the two United are the more likely but at the same time I still think I still think they've done enough they'll be alright they they, they probably need a few more points but I I think they'll get them so in that respect I think I think United are alright in order to get into the top six obviously they need they need points quickly and this is not this is not a great fixture for them in that respect I don't think um, sticking with you, Sean. We can and, we, and flipping topics as we often do. Uh-huh. United from from on the pitch to off the pitch. You you had, <coughs> excuse me, an interview this week with Derek Bond, who's and it was it was it was. 
a good I can't I can't think of another interview he's given before. You know, usually, you know, we've I did yeah. I did the last big interview with Mark Ogren. We've had interviews with Tony Ashgar and got him on the podcast in the past. So Derek Bond, financial director, is that the that the title? It's finance director is his, his, his official title. Finance yeah. director. What was your uh what do you make of the guy? What's your takeaway from from the interview and kind of the, the themes it threw up? Uh, he, he seemed a straightforward enough chap to me. Um, perfectly pleasant guy. Um, I think to be uh, to be honest, the, the themes of the themes that it threw up, um, the season ticket one was the was the most interesting thing to me about it, um, because this is obviously they're starting to at this point plan financially for next season, so. They're they're obviously weighing up various scenarios, and and the season ticket issue is is a big one for them because in selling them last season, they 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 made this offer of of credit for for games that fans didn't get into off the next season ticket. Um, the the other if you listen to some of the other explanations they've given for some of their financial planning last season, their their reasoning for that would be that they they genuinely believed that 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 fans would be getting back into grounds from sort of October time last year. Uh, so I think they, and, and that, that informed their budget for the season basically. So um, I don't think they thought that they would have to apply that credit. If you, if you go with what they're saying, mm-hmm. um, obviously that's, it's not worked out like that. And so now they're in a position where this offer has been made People have bought on the basis of that, and now, in theory, that they could have a record number of season ticket holders if they renew, who are getting to renew for a pennies compared to what they should be paying, basically, and quite for obvious reasons that'll have a an impact on their budget for next season, quite clearly, because if if people are paying forty pound rather than three hundred for a season ticket. And you times that by five thousand, four thousand, something like that. So they're tugging at the that's emotions. A, it's an awful lot of money. The, they're tugging at the emotions of, of supporters. Well, basically. I think it's. I think it's. It's. It's a case of a case of running that up the flagpole and seeing which uh-huh. way the wind blows. To be honest with you, uh, see what the reaction is from fans. I think. I mean, you you will get certain fans who will, for whether it's whether whether they're comfortable financially or whether they or whether it's an emotional thing they will look at that and say no that's fine i don't want the credit you can have my money again because i see the benefit in it oh we've seen it time but, and time again in different forms at different absolutely clubs this season, you know? definitely fans fans don't fans don't want their clubs to suffer um so there, there will be plenty who do that i mean you have to think that there, there will probably be others who that might be impossible for um and and I mean that's there's nothing wrong with that either. So the issue for for United is the numbers. They don't really know what the what the split's going to be between those two camps, if you like, um, because they did a they did a survey of their season ticket holders um, at some point last year, late later last year, and um, I think they did, that question was kind of part of it. Would you? Would you? What's your thoughts on the on the credit situation, basically? And I think of of the respondents, I think it was like seventy six percent said that they would they would be happy to waive their right to the credits. But I think the problem that they've got is the number that responded wasn't significant enough for them. So there's still a huge question mark over a, over a large percentage of the fans. They basically don't know what their thoughts are. So like the like the don't like the don't knows in the in the general election. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And also when you get surveys like that, you you tend to think the people that the yes. people that choose to apply, uh, reply to them are, will are, do so because they have right. strong feelings on the right. subject and, right. and, and are minded to do it. There's a there's a greater silent majority in everything that plays their cards closer to the chest. So I think that overall the purpose of the whole thing was really to run this idea up the flagpole and and, and see what the feeling is amongst United fans with with regard to this. Um, so I mean, there we are. And he and he gave he gave a number of uh, other explanations about the sort of wage to turnover ratio, which had been heavily criticised in the season before the promotion season, which was the last set of accounts we've seen. Um, and he spoke about the academy investment as well. So, but I, I mean, I think the overall purpose was 
was to get this season ticket idea out and just see 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 what people thought. Jim, do you have a, a strong opinion on it? On it either way? On this? Um, I, I, I think I read Sean's piece the other day in, in, in the Courier, and I, I, it was I thought much of it was fascinating when you know Derek Bond had said that the loss in terms of revenue was over two million uh, out of the budget that he set, and he asked the question rightly. So how do you cover that halfway through a season? And and that, that, that's an extraordinarily failed question. I mean, how do you cover? Two million quid out of a budget. I mean, get, you know, Dundee United's turnover traditionally four and a half, five million quid. I mean, season book money will account for I think about one point five, one point seven million of that. So probably a third, as I recall from what we, you know, short time I had some involvement. You know, um, uh, there. I mean, I think the the key thing is he he'd also said at the end of the day there's still a substantial amount of money needing to be put into the club by the owner which he has been doing. That's always my concern. I mean, Mark Ogren has gone above and beyond, I think, with United. How much more can he, can he put in? Um, I'm slightly biased in this, I have to say, Eric. I mean, I you know, I, I, I think the problem with, and, and I, I, I use the term fans very loosely, you know, I mean, there's no such a thing as a hom- homogenous fan. Every fan is different. But no, no, the, the one thing I've discovered over a long period as a journalist um, is that <clears throat> most fans, and I don't mean this in any insulting way because they don't think too deeply about it, most fans, whether they're labourers or lawyers, whether they're uh, lorry drivers or, or, or you know, uh, or IT specialists, irrespective of where they are on the earnings scale. You the, were running out of L's there, weren't you, Jim? I, I, I was running out of L's. I was, I was desperately thinking. I was looking for inspiration. Couldn't <laughs> find one. But they have no idea what, it, what, what it's like running a football club. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, so, you know, a, a bill comes in for 90 grand because the floodlights have gone, you know, or, or you know, I remember one year United went in Europe, you know, suddenly the UEFA delegate decided that the, the seats weren't, you know, weren't a pre-season, the seats weren't up to up to scratch and they had to replace all the seats at some like 30 or 40 grand. I mean, you, you sign two or three players who don't perform, they get injured and you're spending three grand, four grand a week and a player's not performing or he's injured. I mean, you know, running a football club is like no other business. I mean, I, you know, I, I vividly remember sitting down giving, you know, some advice and, and, and actually preparing a, a, a press release to the two Dundee individuals, one of them well known to Sean and I, who thought they'd had a deal to buy Stephen Thompson's shares. As it was, he ended up selling to, to Mike Martin, I think, the, the very next day. And and I keep thinking of that individual and thinking, wow, what a, what a, what a bullet you dodged by 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 not going in. I mean, it's an it's an impossible task. And even if you've got a lot of money, like Mark Ogren, you've only got so much, you know. Um. So at the moment, you know, Derek Bond's kind of plea to, to the fans. Um. Well, it's a plea, isn't it? Let's be blunt. You know, he's, at this time of year, the cash comes through season book sales. You know, before you start to sell hospitality and uh, and sponsorship deals and uh, advertising, all the rest of it, they are very heavily reliant on people renewing their, their season book sales and also not asking for money back. So, you know, um, th- this is where people make their mind up what loyalty to the club really means. Um, you know, it, it's not that they're going to have to write checks back to people, as I understand it. I think it's kind of renewing. They're only going to have to pay a, a, a small portion of the price that, that, that they, right. they would have paid. Now, if they don't, you know, I mean, if, 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 if you know, if that works out, that'll be fine. But um, if a lot of people were, were to, as, as he put it, if a lot of people were to take up the option uh, of only paying, you know, a, a small portion of the price, of course, it would hugely damage their budget for next season. And you can't have it both ways as a fan. You cannot demand that your team compete and go for the best players or the best players available to you, but at the same time do it off a significantly reduced income. And United are in a league where, you know, on the face of it, they're the sixth biggest supporter club in Scottish football. Um one of those is in the championship currently hearts. But, you know, they're well behind Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, uh, uh, you know, uh, and Hibernian, for instance. And increasingly, I'm not even sure that, that if you take a rich owner out of the equation, or we're assuming he's a rich owner, Mark Ogren, you take him out of the equation, then are they actually any better off than a Kilmarnock or a Motherwell? They're certainly not nearly traditionally as well run as a St. Johnston, you know, who, who put them to shame. In, in terms of the the, the, the way that, that the club has been run, where they've never been under any uh, serious financial pressure. So, uh, you know, good luck uh, to um, Derek Bond in this because, you know, he really does need the fans to, to back him. Uh, 
in, in this one, I know that you know the, the foundation of United fans have done that pretty spectacularly. Although to be blunt, the, mon- the money they're putting in, um, you pro- probably won't touch the sides on the way going down, given the amount of money it costs to run a club like Dundee United. But at least uh, you know they, they have put their put their hands in their pockets and backed the club, and that's what they need the fans to do now if they want to if they want to keep the club on the straight and narrow. These are really really dangerous times for football clubs, you know. Sure, a big big result for Dundee in the week. It was. Uh... You know, you could see you could see the way it was all pointing. You know, Neil McCann and all the rest of it. You know, the the headlines were going to be easy ones. The intros were going to be easy ones. If uh, say easy ones to write, not easy ones to not easy ones to stomach. If you're from this part of the world, but easy ones to write. If if Dundee had lost in midweek, they got a win, which was much needed. And now they're going into a game against. The team that they're all going to get close to, but the team that they have the benchmark for all the rest. How are you feeling about? I mean, I think like I can remember we were feeling curiously optimistic at the very start of the season about Dundee going to Tyne Castle. I think we were maybe feeling a wee bit pessimistic about their chances in the the one at Dens, and then they turn they play their it was their best performance of the season. And now here we are again. What are you, what are you thinking going into this one? That's the roller coaster, isn't it? Um. What am I thinking going into this one? Uh, it, I mean, Hearts Hearts aren't going great guns at the moment um, by any stretch. I think that they're, they're having their... They're having United their, last season, isn't it? Well, exactly. I was going <laughs> to say that a traditional Robbie Nielsen team slump <laughs> towards the business end. Um, I mean, they've 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 done a lot of a lot of the work they need funny, to do I mean, already. He's saying exactly. The, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I did a lot of the, the United Friday night games last season and watching... Robbie and the uh, the post match stuff on uh, on the BBC Scotland channel. His interviews are identical to last year. You know, it's it's really tough in this league. You know, you have to, you know, no no easy games away from home. You got to do it the hard way and all this blah blah. It's it is it's cut and paste stuff, isn't it? it really, is. mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, fortunately, they're in the position of having done a lot of the work they need to do. Um, all they need to do is just keep plugging away, really, and they'll, Again, and they'll, win, that, and they'll win that league. Yeah, they'll win the league. But um, I mean, Dundee coming off the back of the win there, and they need, they needed that. Um, but it's, it's set up with with uh, Cummings going back to Tynecastle as well, isn't it? The the Hibs hero. Um, he'll be he'll be minded to. You're writing your early in. intros again. Sean, I know, I know. There we go. It's uh, it's all there for you. Um, <laughs> look, I've tried to maintain a bit of positivity. Um, throughout the last few weeks, with regard to Dundee, as you know, um, I mean, we we have discussed the fact that if they don't finish second, I think that's an, an underperformance this season from Dundee. If they're not in the playoffs, I think it's a it's it's a disaster. It's a dreadful underperformance for them. Um, but I mean, they're in a position where you know they, 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 it's in their hands. They can go and they can go and get second if they want it. Um, but they but they need to put a run of wins together now. So they've they've, they've got one. It was a good one. Squeaky bum time when it went 2-1, I think, for a wee while, given the way things have been going in general. But they got the job done. Three points. Hearts next. I mean, Hearts aren't going great. I think they could I think they could do something at Tynecastle. I don't see why not. Um, but again, we'll probably, this is what we said last time, so I'll probably get cuffed again. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, what's your... What are you thinking, Jim? Well, I mean, I think they've got um, three really tough ones coming up. I mean, Tynecastle, uh, you know, uh, 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 deserved away after hammered, it? you know, ha- yeah, hammered at Tynecastle. India got a great result at Dens against Hearts, but done firmly right on the back of that East End Park one, and on the Tuesday night, you know, so not a lot of respite. And then Arbroath, <laughs> you know, and, and Dick Campbell's got Arbroath flying again, you know, coming coming to Dens, and they'll be absolutely relishing that. So you could potentially be looking at three games where Dundee emerged without a point. I mean, I don't think that'll happen, <laughs> but you know, they've got three very very tough games. Really, well, they are tough, and then you've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for the next couple of weeks as well. So, you know me, I, I tend to be as optimistic as I can with a caller, and, and I'm in Sean's St. Johnson in the cup as well. St. Johnson in the cup as well. I, mean, I just think Dundee have under underperformed at times. For this, I mean, you look at the squad, and you know it's that classic. You look at the squad on paper, and the squad on paper isn't what the squad turns out to be on grass. You know, because on the face of it, they've got a, they've got a very decent side. Um, but they've struggled to get that level of consistency that they require. And, of course, they'll be missing Charlie, won't they? Um, 
for for this one. He's self isolating, isn't he? So uh, Charlie Adams. So I mean, it's just you know the Ten Castle one on Saturday looks a really tough gig to me. I think they've got the ability to win that game, but will they do it? That's the problem. Trying trying to call this Dundee side becomes very very difficult. I mean, they're now fifteen points behind Hearts. I mean, I know they've got two games in hand, but highly unlikely in this shortened season to to make that up. Um, you know, in fact, almost impossible to make that up. So the target's got to be the two five clubs. You know, racing Dunfermline above them, and of course they've got one of them in a, in a week's time. Dunfermline. Um, that's doable. Second place should absolutely be doable for Dundee, and that's got to be. That's got to be their aim. Good stuff, guys. That brings us roundly to the hour. And thank you very much again. And Jim, you can spend the rest of the week trying to come up with trades beginning with L. I've been thinking in the last 10 minutes. I'm struggling. Did we get Lollipop, man? We didn't get Lollipop. Or, or Lady. <laughs> <laughs> lady, <laughs> that, that, would, that would do. There we go then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again. And thank you very much for listening. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.